0: listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. I've been asked to share today uh, the theme for the month uh, is the weight of sin. So I'm, I'm bet you're glad you came today because uh, um, it's, it's a heavy topic, isn't it? The weight of sin. But uh, I want to pray before I get started because when we talk about these things, it's like when I shared on obedience a while ago. As soon as we hear words like obedience or, or sin, we automatically think to, to check and, and line ourselves up with law and go, well, where do I fit in this? It's just something that we naturally do. We go, all right, am I sinning, am I not? And it's like a right or a wrong, and and it's not what it's about. I want to talk today from from God's love for us, his unconditional love for us. I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we thank you that your love is so unconditional for us, that your grace is incredibly sufficient for us, Lord. And Lord, I ask that today, uh, as, as I share, that your heart would shine through, Lord, that that your your love would shine through everything that's said today, that people wouldn't feel uh, guilt and shame today, but they would feel you and your presence today. They would see you and your love today and know that the, the sin that is that is of this world is, is not something that we have to deal with. We just have to keep our eyes focused on you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. The weight of sin. I was at home about 10 years ago, and I was sitting in, in my lounge room eating a massive bowl of ice cream like I used to do after dinner. And I, I got a phone call and it was my grandpa. And he, he hardly ever rang me, my, my grandpa, because they lived over in Stansbury. And it just we just never really talked much. We, we love each other. Um, but the short of it, he rang me and he said, Oh, hey, hey, Matt, how are you? And I said, Oh, I'm really good. How are you? It's good to hear from you. He says, Yeah. Yeah, hey, uh, do you do you have a trailer? And I said, oh, No, I don't, I don't have a trailer. He said, Oh, well, I... Uh, I'd like to give you my trailer. And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. And grandpa wants to give me a trailer. I'm really excited about this. And then I could hear in the background my grandma. And my grandma's having a go at him on the phone. <laughs> and she said, and I tell you, you've got to give it to him. You take it to him and you give him the trailer and you get rid of it. And I was like, what is going on? This is really odd, right? And uh, anyway, so grandpa comes over the next weekend with a trailer and he's, he's sort of walking up the driveway. And I look at the back of his car and... The back end of his car is all just beat up. It's this brand new Nissan Maxima at the time. And the story goes like this. He, he hitched up the trailer to his car and he started driving around and he just forgot he had the trailer on his car. And so he pulls up at this set of traffic lights and he pulls too far up and he's like, oh, I've pulled too far up. So he just reverses back and jackknifes the trailer. And he still doesn't notice that he's got the trailer on the car. And he's like, why is the car not going back? So he keeps going back and back until he messes up someone else's car and he's like why is that person driving into me so then he drives forward and pulls out street signs off the road and when he's giving me the trailer I'm like well I've got a fair bit of stuff to fix up on this trailer as well as that but he had no idea that he had it on and my grandma was in the car at the time and my grandma's a bit of a baby with a bathwater thing it's like "Oh, we'll just throw it all out and she said you've got to get rid of the trailer so I ended up with a free trailer so it was a win for me but isn't that funny? It, it, I, I want to paint an illustration today. It's kind of like sin. We kind of take it on thinking it's, it's there's something here. It's not that bad. And then before we know it, we've forgotten we've actually carrying this and we're holding it. And we end up in a place where there's a lot of damage. I'm like, why is this damage happening in our lives? Why is all this stuff falling apart? And it's like my grandpa with the trailer. he just forgotten that he was carrying it. He got so used to carrying it. And it's like this. I get this picture. I remember when... I was young. This was me trying out for the uh, church basketball team. Um, this was me when I was 15. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I was, uh, I, I was uh, a boxer years ago, and I've probably said that a hundred times. But anyway, the short of it, I used to train uh, a fair bit. It's big on cardio, but there's a little bit of um, muscle work in, in boxing, a little bit. And I remember other guys, they would lift weights at the gym that I was at, and they'd they'd lift weights so that their muscles would get stronger so that they could lift more weights, so that they could make their muscles stronger to lift more weights. Is is this making sense? So it's like I'm lifting something in order to carry more, and, and I'm carrying more and more so that I have the ability to carry more You might think I'm having a stroke on stage. I'm not. What what I'm trying to say is is that it can be like sin. You see, we carry the weight of sin. We we keep carrying more and then we're able to carry that. And then we carry more sin and then I'm able to carry that amount of sin until we get to a place where we're not even realising that we're carrying all this sin. That's a scary thought, isn't it? And this is the thing. I was chatting with someone recently and I said, "Oh, you know, I constantly think, what, what happened there? Who did I upset? What, what did I do? And, and this person said, you know, it's not a common ability for people to be able to self-reflect. And I look back and I think, I couldn't really self-reflect much as a, as a kid. Um, I was your typical sort of teenage boy, no empathy or compassion for anyone else, laugh at your mates when they get hit by a ball in the head, you know, that, that sort of kid. And, and I never really sort of self-reflected. And I got sort of taught to do that to a degree. But it's not something that we, we do naturally sometimes we don't naturally self-reflect and I was thinking this a great passage in John 16 7 to 9 it says this nevertheless I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away the helper will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you and when he comes he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me the Holy Spirit reveals in us, doesn't he? And, and I, I heard this years ago when I was a new Christian. Without the Holy Spirit, it's hard for me to interpret the Scriptures. I need the Holy Spirit in my life to cause me to discern what the Scriptures are saying. Just like I need the Holy Spirit in my life to, can, to, to cause me to see when I'm sinning. But what is What is sin? What is sin? We all have different, different thoughts on it, I think, at times, and, and we, we can come around to, to like, is, is it law, is it this? And, and, and simply, I, I want to say today, just something really simple today on sin, that it, it is anything that causes your relationship with God to be not right, as in, like, anything that would stop. I think of sin like this in my marriage. If my wife comes home and wants to talk to me and I'm watching TV and I don't talk to her, that's sin. Because I'm putting the TV as a higher priority to my relationship with my wife. And it's the same with our relationship with God. Anything that I put as a higher priority to him is a sin. How about this? Where did the word sin come from? A mate of mine years ago, when we had no empathy for each other, we used to harass each other a lot, and we still do now. He's a, he's a big, big bloke. He's really strong. And he bought this compound bow. And uh, he said, oh, Matt, in front of all these... Uh, all of our other mates here, just have a go at this compound bow. Does anyone know what a compound bow is? It's like a bow and arrow, but it's like wound up so that it will shoot about 14 kilometres. You know, like it's really, really strong. And uh, it has a, a leverage point. So once you get, it's it's really hard to pull back, but once you get it past that leverage point, it's quite easy and you can set the, the bow in and shoot it, right? But I've got it and I'm like, like this. Like I just could not open it. And then he picks it up and he goes, I'll oh, just do this and just opens it up like it was, you know, nothing. Anyway, I was chatting with him and I said, oh, so are uh, you going to classes or anything like that or how do you do it? He goes, oh, I kind of just like you know, <laughs> shooting at targets and things like that. And he said, but there was an archery class uh, that he went to and they have these things in archery. And this is a silhouette of a stag, right? And in the middle here you can see there's a red dot. And that, that red dot is what they call the kill shot. And in, in archery, you you line up for that. You want to hit... The stag right there, because if you miss, you lose your bow, and you only have so many bows with you, don't you? And, and these things are made out of steel. And so, what they'd do is, is the people learning how to shoot bow and arrows, they would line up and, and shoot. And this is where the word sin came from. So many, many years ago, they would be practicing like this. And what would happen is, the archer would line up, the archer would line up and shoot. And if he missed the mark on the ball, on the stag there, it would hit the steel and it would make this terrible noise. It would be like clang and everybody around knew that you had missed the mark. And what they would say, archers would have to say is sin, that's what they would say. Sin, so it's, it's an archery term and what it essentially means is to miss the mark. Have you ever thought of sin as missing the mark? It's like, I'm missing the mark, and this is where we go wrong. We think that missing the mark is I haven't done it right, but in archery, they just say, Keep your eyes on the mark and keep aiming for it. We're going to guide you until you get it. It's not you hit, you, you miss the mark, and that's it, it's you keep aiming for it. We keep aiming for the mark. Your focus needs to stay on the mark. I love this. I read um, in Ezekiel a while ago. Who, Ezekiel was such a crazy prophet, such a, an, an interesting person. Um, he was pretty much a street performer. Ezekiel he'd go out in the street and, and build little um, images of Jerusalem and sort of dance little figurines around. And I mean, imagine if that was what we had today, like in Rundle Mall, someone going, you know, Adelaide's doomed, and he's you know building little people and walking around. Would anybody listen to that person? That he's crazy? Or what if, <laughs> what if they did this, lied on their side for? over a year, on one side, on the floor, and then cooked their bread, this sort of bread, in human faeces. So the Lord asked Ezekiel, he said, Ezekiel, I want you to lie on your side for, for all the days that uh, Israel has caused transgressions against me, all the issues that they've done, all the things that they've done wrong, I want you to lay on one side for as many days as they've done that to me. And I want you to cook your food in your own faeces. I'd be mean, like, I can't be hearing from God. This has got to be. <laughs> this has got to be odd. Anyway, he had had a chat with God, and God said, "All right, well, you can do it in dung, uh, cow manure." And this is the thing. This is what's so interesting. We think, "Oh, that's that's horrendous." But at the time, in 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 um, Hebrew culture, it was horrific to cook your food in dung. But every other nation around him, that's just the norm. So all the neighbors, you know, neighboring nations that would come through, they'd see this man and just think he's just cooking a meal. But the Hebrew people would have been like, what is he doing? Israelites would have been like, what's what's going on here? What are you you doing? This is disgusting. And it was just for them. It was a message for them. But it's a great story. So he cooked his own bread. They actually make Ezekiel bread. Now you can order this. I love what it says down here. We switched our bread to this. Even the kids like it. Obviously, they don't know how it's cooked. (laughs) So in Ezekiel chapter 1, you've got... got, um, Ezekiel's sitting on the uh, the side of a river. I think it was the Kabar River, and um, they're captured by the the Babylonians. And so Ezekiel was going to be a priest, um, but then the Babylonians came along and they just they took so many Israelites captive and took them back uh, to Babylon. Perfect moment for a pause. And so he didn't actually become a, a priest. And so he's sitting on the river, just just sitting there and and thinking, you know, what's going on with, with, with my people, and what's happening, I'm, I'm so anguished for everything that's going on, and I thought I was going to be a priest, and and he's sitting there, and then he said, then this, this vision came to him, and it was a vision of a cherubim, and they were holding a platform, and on the platform was a throne, and then on the throne was an image of a man, and, and it says this, it says that Ezekiel saw this image, and he realized what it was and it says, I realized that this is the glory of God that I'm witnessing. And he fell to his face and, and couldn't look up. And that word glory in, there, in Hebrew is kabod or kabod. I, I can never pronounce it properly because I'm not Hebrew. So it's kabod. And what that actually means is weight. Weight or significance. He, he saw the weight of the glory of God, the weight of God that, that God was placing on him, this purpose that he was placing on Ezekiel, and he thought, that is significant in my life. And it caused him to move and it caused him to, to do this street performing stuff. It caused caused him to be an odd person and, and do all this stuff so that the Israelites would see that God is king over them. But then he gets this this vision. And it goes through its really interesting vision. So in chapter 9, Ezekiel uh, is still going through this vision. And there's a part where he sees six men rock up at the gate uh, of the city. And they have in their hands executioner weapons. And um, then there's a man dressed in linen. He comes along and it says this man dressed in linen is carrying writing equipment with him. And the Lord says to the man dressed in linen, he says, I want you to go around and mark all the believers who sigh and groan for the abominations that are happening against me. And so this man dressed in linen goes around all through all the Israelites and and starts marking them on their forehead with a mark. And what I think is so interesting about that is that it was all the believers who sigh and groan it doesn't say that he went and marked all the believers who were upright, righteous, held to all the laws, the six hundred and thirteen Judaic laws, that held to all of that. It was the people who sigh and groan were the ones as believers. Imagine if you were there at that time, wouldn't you like become a believer? Do you know? <laughs> like if you saw someone come around marking the foreheads, like, oh, do you believe? It's like, oh no, well, you're gonna get slaughtered. Instantly you'd be like, Well, I believe. I totally believe right now. But it doesn't it's, it's a really interesting story to, to read along. And so he marks them all. And so he goes through, and, and it says that Ezekiel is so upset. He's, he's there, and he's like, Lord, there's going to be no one left. There's going to be no one left here if, if this, is the, this is how you're going to mark them. And so he goes through. And the guy goes through dressed in linen, and he comes back, and he reports to God, and he says, God, I've done what you've asked. And then the Lord says this right I want you to go and execute all the people uh, without pity. The, The women, the children, the men, everybody without pity. And I want you to start in the temple. I want you to start where all the Christians are. I want you to start right where the people who know the truth are. And I thought that is a slap in the face, isn't it? If anybody should know and sigh and groan, it should be the people that know the truth. But I love this passage, the people that sigh and groan. And it says that the Lord wants your belief to be something that's of the heart. It's not a, it's not a how am I upholding the law? And, and I love that because we can't. And I love that in, in Judaism, there's literally 613 laws that people have to stick to in order not to sin. And there's a clause in it that says, if you don't know one of these laws, then it's okay. It's like, how confusing can that get? It's like, how are you supposed to uphold that? We just, we just can't. You know, sin comes into our lives and it's something that we can carry. And like that, that word kavod, the weight, the glory of God, sin can become something that we think is so significant. And I want to say this carefully, we think it's more important than it is. We give it more weight than it's worth. our lives and I'm not saying that sin is something we should uh, not take seriously but it's a matter of we carry it and we think it's so important in our lives and it's hard for us to deal with when we know that Jesus died for our sins they're all forgiven I don't need to deal with them I love this I chat with uh, young men used to do it a lot when I was working in schools uh, as a counsellor and young men that would come to me with uh, addictions to pornography and I would say, how do I deal with this? How do I, how do I deal with it? I, I want to get rid of this. And I would always say, you can't deal with it. Your focus just needs to be somewhere else. You see, your mark that you're focusing on is the pornography when the mark that you should be focusing on is Jesus. It's like that cup, you know, the cup with with dirty water in it and you continually pour clean water in it. Have you seen that illustration? The more that you pour the clean water in, the more the dirt comes out. It's the same concept. I don't need to deal with my sin. I don't need to carry that sin. I need to have my eyes turned to Jesus. He is the salvation from my sin. I love what it says here. I was chatting with someone during the week. Um, In Psalm 32, it says this. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, this is the thing I, I want to share on this morning, when I didn't say anything, when I held it to myself, when I carried the weight of this sin and didn't share it with anybody, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night your hand was heavy on me my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer have you ever felt like that and thought why is there so much pressure on me why am i feeling overwhelmed it, it it's a hard place to be and and i want us to reflect this morning is there something in my life that i place higher than my relationship with god because if there is, this is a sign of how you're going to feel. It goes on to say this. After it says, my, was, uh, sorry, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then it says this in verse 5 of Psalm 32. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them You are my hiding place You will protect me from trouble And surround me with the songs of deliverance I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go I will counsel you with my loving eye on you Do not be like the horse or the mule Which have no understanding But must be controlled by bit and bridle Or they will not come to you many are the woes of the wicked but the lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts him rejoice in the lord and be glad you're righteous sing all you who are upright in heart it's about your heart i i often think it it's it's about coming to god and and giving him this and I, and i love this is so the first thing that comes to my head when i think lord i need to get rid of something i think the altar. There's a picture of the altar. Do you know the word altar? The the etymology of the word altar goes all the way back to this word. Uh, Miss, I'm going to say it wrong. Miss Beach, like that. It's not like life's a beach, but Miss Miss Beach. And what it essentially means is place of slaughter. So when you come up the front for prayer, do you ever think, right? I'm going up the front to slaughter some stuff. Do you ever think that? No, no one does, just me, no? no. <laughs> you don't think I'm coming up the front to, to slaughter stuff and, and get rid of it. But this is such a great picture. It's so true. We, we think that, that coming up the front sometimes is me going, Lord, I, I need healing. I need to come up the front for healing. Great, absolutely. Lord, I need to come up the front for this. And we can come up to the front, to the altar, come up to God with a list of things that we want. And this is the thing. God wants us to come up and show to him that he is the most important thing in my life. And we need to slaughter those things that we think are more important than him in our life. Like this. I I had learned about five or six years ago, when I pray for stuff, I I used to pray like this. Um, I'll I'll give an example. We had a hot water service uh, at our house and it went. And I thought, Lord... I need a new hot water service, and can you get me the best deal? I need the best deal, I need the cheapest hot water service, but I want the best hot water service. Can you miraculously make this happen? Because, Lord, then I can put the money that I save into other things. You know, like, These are all justifiable things, aren't they? But when I'm praying like that, what I'm essentially saying to God is, God, give me the best deal because I need to be able to manage my money, and I need to be able to make this work. And then Lord shared something with me. He says, how about you pray that you make the right choice with who does the installation, not the money, from the point of view of I might be able to minister something into that person's life. And I thought, well, that's odd, but I'm not going to save money <laughs> if I do this. And it's like, no, but you see, I'm giving up the, the priority of money in my life for God's will. I'm giving up my will for his will. This, this is the greatest act of love, someone giving up their free will for the will of another. The best example of that, Jesus, gets me <clears throat> emotional. It's dusty in here. Giving up your free will for the will of someone else is the ultimate sacrifice of love. And when we come up to the altar, we have to sacrifice those things that are above God in our life. Insecurities. Insecurities. I need to come up the front to get rid of my insecurities. My insecurities at times are higher than God in my life. They really are. This is the place for me to slaughter them and get rid of them. sounds so vulgar, doesn't it? But that's what it is. I need to bring that to God. I used to think that the altar was a place where I bring my best. But what it is, I bring what is most important to me to the altar and remind myself that God is the most important thing in my life. And I love this. You can walk up to the altar with that. You can lay it down, have a reset of where the most important mark is in your life. I don't mark this as most important. I mark my relationship with God as most important and walk away in faith that he is my saviour. In Hebrews 12 it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin Which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Lay that weight down. Lay it down. It is not significant in your life. God is significant in your life. The sin is not sovereign in your life. God is sovereign in your life that's as simple as it gets. I love simple. I'm a simple man. I love it because it causes me to go, hey, I'm trying to have a relationship with the Creator, someone that I can't completely understand, but someone who can cause me to feel unconditional love. And so simple is really good. So today, I'll get the band to come up if they can. Today, you, you come up the front. You can sit there. But what I want you to reflect on is the mark. What are you marking as higher in your life than God? This is a question we get asked a lot. But I want you to reflect on that today. As we're going to go through a song, I think it's called um, "Make Room." It's a great song. We played it last week after the end of um, uh, Evan's sermon, who shared really well. But I want you to reflect on the mark. And know this, that, that sin is simply just missing the mark, but continue to aim for it and make sure that your mark is in the right spot. Amen. Okay, I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I thank you so much for your love, your, your mercy and your grace. I thank you so much for what Jesus did for us on the cross, Lord, that uh, because of that we can have a relationship with you. Your love is so incredibly unconditional. And today, Lord, I ask that we would have a, a fresh revelation of that. That those things that are in our life that are, uh, are carrying weight, that we are we are feeling burdened with and heavy, that are not of you, Lord, that we can lay them aside and we can return our focus to you. Your word says, Lord, that as we uh, confess our sins and 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 share them and, and submit them, Lord, that that we will be healed, that that weight will be gone, Lord that that the the uh, the love that you have for us would fill that void, and that we would be restored whole and so Lord, today I speak your healing touch over everybody in this room, Lord, I come against those lies, I come against those uh, things that have been spoken as truths that aren't true, Lord, about sin, Lord. And Lord, I thank you so much that what you did has forgiven us for our sins. And not the sins that we've done up to today, but our sins that we're going to do. And so, Lord, I thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And I speak your blessings over everybody here. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.